0: Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at cit.com. Put knowledge to work.
1: and welcome to another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. I am Tracy Alloway, Executive Editor of Bloomberg Markets. And uh, let me just say that I think uh, what you are about to hear is probably the most random edition of Odd Lots that we've done so far. And um, just to give you an idea of how random it is, I have with me a special co-host. It is Lorcan Roche-Kelly. He is our resident cow expert. That's how random this is. Say hello, Lorcan.
2: Hi, Tracy. How's it going? I think um, cow expert, I think I'll definitely take that one as a compliment. Um, Cow owner, if nothing else.
1: (laughs) It's meant to be a compliment, Lorcan. (laughs) We don't have a lot of cow experts, so that's pretty special.
2: You're reducing the compliment straight away, Tracy.
1: (laughs) I should say that my normal co-host, Joe Weisenthal, is uh, still on his epic business trip, and he's left me to do this podcast. Uh, How do I intro this podcast? Um, All right, so a couple weeks ago, I noticed a mathematical paper. It was called, quote, a mathematical model for the dynamics and synchronization of cows. Uh, Lorcan, I think I sent it to you at the time.
2: Yeah, I think you said to me was the this email subject was, can you believe this exists? I think may have been something along the lines <laughs> of what the email subject was. I was very excited to see it, I must say, because anything to do with cows excites me.
1: Right. How many cows do you have now, Lorcan?
2: I, 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 you, first, I don't think you ever ask a farmer how many cows he has because it's a way of working out what his income is. But I think um, enough to keep me busy is the standard answer, I think, that.
1: I'm I'm sorry. I just made a, a bovine faux pas, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right, en- enough to keep you busy. Uh, that's yes. good enough for this podcast. Okay, so we got this paper, a mathematical model for the dynamics and synchronization of cows. It's written by, let's see, one, two, three, four mathematicians at various universities, and it talks about herding behavior in cows and uh, sort of mathematical models used to analyze that behavior. And I know you're all thinking, what in the world does this have to do with markets and investment and finance? But if you'll remember, we often talk about investors acting in markets like a herd. We often talk about herding behavior, people crowding into the same types of investments, the same positions, uh, basically following each other, seeking the safety of numbers. So it's not totally off the wall. Lorcan, am, am I stretching that a bit? I think that's fair.
2: I, I don't think you're stretching it at all. I think i um, like, I suppose, I, I spend a lot of my time looking at markets and some of my time looking at cows. And while the similarities don't immediately jump out to me, I must say, when I'm working in either or both, <laughs> there, there is generally a feeling that markets gain momentum. And it, the more, I suppose, more people talk about a trade, the more likely... People are to get on a trade or to have an opinion on a trade anyway, and much like with cows, if one cow finds good grass, the rest of the cows will see the good grass and run over and get some for themselves. So that the, on the high level, the herding idea, I think, is being well established within markets, and it's it comes from mm-hmm. animals. It comes from herds of animals. That's where the word comes from. So I imagine to examine what cows do should tell us something about herding in markets, or at least give us a way of modelling herding in markets. Which is why I found the paper, very interesting.
1: Do you ever look out your window on your farm in Ireland and watch your cows and like ponder them as you think about markets? <laughs> I have this image of you doing that.
2: I, there, there, there is, I can see my cows from my window depending on what field they're in. Whether what I'm doing is pondering them or pining to be with them rather than staring at <laughs> some, <laughs> some unfinished coffee in front of me, I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: without further ado we are going to bring in the authors of this paper we have three of them with us and because we have three guests it's the first time I think we've ever had a trio of guests on this podcast I'm going to ask them to quickly introduce themselves so that you all know who they are um why don't we start with Jay uh Jay can you say hello and intro yourself
3: Hey, hello, this is Jay, Um, last name is Sun. Uh, Actually, uh, I'm currently assistant professor in the math department at Clarkson University. It is in Potsdam, New York, um, upstate New York. Um, I work with uh, a lot of the complex systems, networks, nonlinear dynamics, and and more recently, um, studying the information flow in those complex systems. Um, By the way, the time the paper was written, I actually was a graduate student visiting um, with, at the time, my advisor, Eric Bolt. who is here also today, and was a very exciting um, journey for me to be on this project.
1: Fantastic. Eric, why don't you say hello?
4: Hello, I'm uh, Eric Bolt, also at Clarkson University. I'm a uh, John Harrington professor of mathematics. So, um, like Rio, we do a lot with nonlinear dynamics. I'd also like to add, um, in years past, we'd call it chaos theory. But um, in recent years, we do a lot also with large-scale complex systems, which is something we're developing a center for at Clarkson. So, And this is also nonlinear dynamics.
1: And then finally, we have Mason Porter joining us, I, I think, from LA. Yeah,
5: I'm Mason Porter. Um, I'm currently a professor of mathematics at UCLA. Um, I just moved over from University of Oxford a few weeks ago. Um, I'm also a specialist in complex systems and networks and nonlinear dynamics. And I mean, one of the things I wanted to mention, you were talking about similarities between between herding in animals and herding in markets. In fact, mm. one of the things that we specialize in is exactly collective behavior and complex systems, which can be things like herding in all sorts of contexts, or ideas becoming viral and, and and so on. So we actually take an abstract point of view and very specifically study these sorts of things in many different types of systems.
4: Exactly, we've all we've all worked together in these different sorts of things, mm-hmm. including swarming. Um, schooling, if it's fish, and then also human behaviors when they work in groups.
1: Well, maybe that's a good jumping off point. So we have a collective behavior, and there's been a lot of study of collective behavior, whether it's in animals or humans or, or systems and that sort of thing. What made you decide to focus on cows specifically for this paper?
5: Okay, so maybe I should answer that, because the project mm-hmm. actually um, started with me. And the, the fourth the 4th co-author is Marian Dawkins. She's actually, she's a zoologist um, rather than a mathematician. And and she and I know each other from being in the same Oxford College. Um, and we formulated a project actually about a year or so before before Eric and, and Jay visited. And one of the things that, that had um, predated the project what was that Marion was sort of lamenting that many um, people who were, who were theorists and working on problems that come from biology were not sufficiently interfacing with biology. And at some point, the conversation turned to her work on, on, on cows and other animals, which is something that she's been doing for many years. And it seemed interesting to me. And I was interested in collective behavior in general. So we formulated um, a project that we did in, in a certain manner called an agent-based model, um, this was the year before Eric and Jay visited. Um, and then that one was attempting to be more realistic, but was a bit abstract. And so we wanted to step back and have a bare bones project. So serendipity, I suppose, is the short version of that answer. And I tend to be interested in just about everything. And I had a local expert, and so we worked on it. And then Eric visited me uh, along with Jay the next year. And so we decided that we would pursue that further.
1: So when we think about hurting behavior in cows, and I, I guess other mammals like antelope, zebra, whatever, um, <laughs> we usually think that they all move, I guess, in, in tandem. Like like Lorcan was saying, if one cow sees fresh grass, then all the cows migrate there. But also, I guess, for protective reasons to protect themselves from predators. Is that is that the accepted version of herding behavior in cows?
5: I think that's at least part of it. There's also um, if they're in a pen, for instance, they actually may also want to just all be able to lie down at a similar time, especially if they're if they're under similar um, sort of forces from a from a day-night cycle. So so you know some of this is actually protection, but some of it is also similar needs.
4: Yeah, so um, all those elements are in our work. Actually, we have a follow-on work which actually includes things like why would they do that? Optimizing their um, their resilience to predators and so forth. But mm-hmm. the, the centerpiece of the model is that the cow individually has these different things that go on inside their bodies, you know, their need to eat, their need mm-hmm. to digest, which is kind of complicated in a cow, and um, then the need to sleep. So it's a little bit like a, a several-part circadian rhythm in your own body. And for the other reasons you described, then it actually turns out to be a good thing if they do it together. So that's the synchronization aspect. And whether they're in a pen or, or they're in the wild, um, there's some aspect of they want to do it together. Now, in the pen, they're not really predated anymore, but they, they carry on that um, natural behavior.
3: Yeah, so one of the things was the so those interactions turned out to be really important uh, as a determining factor of whether they, they could synchronize and to what extent they do synchronize, um, which happened to be also related to uh, the production. And uh, even though we don't know how happy they are, people do you say that they seem to be happier when they they actually produce more and more synchronized?
2: Yeah, just uh, from the, looking from the paper, the um, research paper, the, you have um, they, you looked at a single cow model, and then you looked at what you call coupled cows. But just for your own information, on a farming background, when you say cows are coupling, you mean something completely different. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I get they, it. Yeah, right. they, but then it said in a larger herd, the the the, the synchronicity se- seems to break down. Is this what you're seeing? say in the paper that um, well, as the as you, you, The stand-up, sit-down cycle is the one that you're looking at. It seems to break down. So you have cow, a mixture of cows standing up and sitting down. And I'm wondering, um, is that a, a thing that you saw from observation or is something that you produced from your mathematical models yourself?
4: Um, our second paper actually has an aspect where um, the groups can become too large um, to, for their own good and they break apart and they may subsynchronize into smaller groups. Now, do you see that in your farm?
2: Yeah, well, if I had that many cows, I'm sure I'd see it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a, i think i'm um, with, with the, the way i suppose to get back to nuts and bolts of farming the way farming works here is that it is very the synchronicity i see tends to be much more if it's going to rain in the next 20 minutes most of the cows are sitting down if it's very hot most are standing up but beyond that they will generally i suppose the, the herd is big enough that some will be sitting down some will be standing up at any time whereas if you put a small number of cows in a shed that occasionally will do. If some are lame, if we, take, if we have cows that are lame, we take them out of the herd because they can't keep up to other cows. We may have three or four cows together, and they will synchronize very strongly. Like so, the four will be sitting down, or the four will be standing up. But whether that's because they're in a the shed and not out in the field, it's you know. I suppose the externalities would be very hard to calculate within a model like this.
5: The the externalities are a very big deal, and um, one of the things that that. Um, people argue about is you know how much of this is from circadian rhythms and how much of it is from from say signals from other animals that are that are nearby um, it's a very difficult thing to um, um, disentangle from each other um, one thing I want to mention just kind of going back on your on your earlier comment in terms of having uh, a larger herd having kind of not complete synchrony in, in the paper we're not actually demanding um, complete synchrony we're just measuring how synchronized they are and trying to do it in a, in a sort of a quantitative way so you, you can measure and this is something that comes originally from um, the theory of coupled oscillators the term the term coupled has a very specific meaning in mathematics and physics that's not quite the same as the english meaning it just means that they're interacting mm-hmm. um so if you write down equations and you have some some term that has has parts of two different equations this is a way for for this is a way for them to be coupled together um, but um there, there, are, there are some measures that, that are from, um, from long studies of oscillations from biological rhythms, for example, that tries to measure how synchronized things are. And so it's not that you have a yes or no that everybody is synchronized, you have a sort of how much they are. And you can imagine doing this um, with, with animal behavior as well, um, by just saying, okay, well, do, they, do different cows stand up at a similar time you know maybe mm-hmm. there's a delay of one second versus 10 seconds and so you would say that the delay of one second if you can able if you're able to measure that would be more synchronized than if than if it's 10 seconds apart whether and the extent to which that comes from cows getting signals from others by watching what others are doing and how much comes from having similar desires that's very difficult to disentangle yeah.
2: i think as first an interesting aside is um Um, the one thing that where cows completely I suppose desynchronize themselves from the rest of the herd is when they're about to uh, give birth to a calf and uh, I think it's interesting that there's a product available I don't know if I have it from my cows on my farm it's um, called MooCall (laughs) M-O-O-C-A-L-L and what it is it is a small um, interesting. Morgan
1: are you making this up? Uh,
2: No I'm not making this up you can google it it does exist Um, Mm -hmm. it's it's an electronic product that I attach to the cow's tail and what it measures Mm -hmm. is how much the cow switches her tail and before a cow mm. gets birth, she becomes agitated. She is more tail swishing. And this mm. product notices the extra tail swishing and it sends me a text message to say, that this cow is going to calve in the next two hours. <laughs> and oh. and what that, how that, that thing works is that you put it on the cow and it stays on the cow and it gets an idea of what the cow's rhythm is. And then it notices oh. the, um, the, the the change in rhythm and it acknowledges that, that there's something big has happened there that's changed the rhythm. So cow, cows generally have a strong rhythm within themselves, I suppose, is what this company is taking advantage of, that their, their yeah. stand-up, sit-down, right. swish their tail, is, can be very easily predicted within a certain circ- set of circumstances. So when the circumstances change, as in the cow is about to have a calf, it can ne- 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 um, use that information to send me a text message to say this cow mm-hmm. is about to calf.
4: Now, is there an analog of a moo cow for the market?
2: No, it's on the market, yes. It's Mm -hmm. something that. No, I
4: mean, for market market prediction. You can put it on the traders.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Although, if you could figure out what it is, I imagine Mm -hmm. you'd get very rich and you wouldn't tell me about it.
4: I'm actually surprised that we've gotten this far and you haven't um, remarked that actually, what does a bull market mean?
1: (laughs) We're saving that Mm, for later. Uh, First, we are going to take a short break for a word from our sponsors.
0: Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT from transportation to healthcare, to manufacturing CIT offers commercial lending, leasing and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work.
1: Okay. And we are back. We are talking cows, herding behavior and mathematics. Um, Just to kick off the second half of the conversation, maybe could you just walk us through in very simple terms what you found in your paper from the mathematical model you used and what it says about cows' herding behavior?
3: Um, I I think from the mathematical point of view, um, there are something that's very unique about um, this particular model because one thing about cows and some other animals are that um, they actually have different modes, right? It's not um, that they follow one type of motion or, or dynamics, and then they just continue. Uh, for cows, there are three distinct modes. Uh, they, they can walk, stand, uh, they eat, or, or they lie down. And it turns out that there are you know very traditional and uh, machinery in mathematics that, that we could use for, for particularly to model this behavior, um, as well as their interactions. So, so one thing we found that sort of counterintuitive is you would imagine that uh, maybe by interacting more or more intensively, they would necessarily synchronize more, and that wasn't um, the case. So, what that means in reality is if you start to you know put them in fans, and with higher density, it's not necessarily true that you make them synchronize more. They 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 actually could uh, break the synchrony by increasing those coupling.
1: So when you have more cows together and they're in a crowded, confined area, they don't actually exhibit herding behavior, is that right?
3: Uh, I mean, again, it's not not a yes-no question. Um, Mm. It's the extent to which they synchronize could actually decrease uh, (laughs) when you put more uh, in the finite physical space. And is that
1: competition for resources, or they they just start to feel pressure because there's too many other cows?
4: It's more of a pressure scenario yeah
1: well why don't we widen out the discussion because i know that you all um also study uh network effects and chaos theory and things like that so how Mm -hmm. much can we extrapolate from cow behavior into other types of behavior and specifically humans and or human investors
5: so so um one of the things, one of the advantages of, of mathematics is that it's automatically massively parallel. You know, people talk about massively parallel um, computation. With mathematics, you can get insights on a specific system. And then other other systems that might have similar model equations, possibly it will teach you something about that. So... Um, Jay was talking about the fact that you could have stronger coupling in this situation, leading to less synchronized behavior. So that can also potentially occur elsewhere. So if people are interacting with each other more strongly, um, at least this is known in mathematical models, you can have situations where they're not necessarily more synchronized as a result. I don't know how to experimentally verify that. I mean, that's it's much more reality is much more complicated than mathematical model. But it's a very general um, situation that one sees mathematically, not just in the specific model that we did. And others have um, reported similar results using other models of synchronization in the last few years. So that's that's one example.
4: Mm-hmm. Another thing I say about this uh, this work is it's it's actually um, it's a, a scientific study on two levels. So it's about cows and so we're studying the topical area of cows and uh, we want to make conclusions about cows. But the tools that we bring to it is actually a, a unique kind of tool set in the area of uh, uh, modeling uh, a complex system like an animal because it, as um, Jay said, it's a uh, what's called a piecewise impulsive system as we modeled it, which means it's a bit like a uh, bouncing ball. Something continues continuously for a while, and then it reaches a threshold, it switches. So it might switch Mm -hmm. from um, the lying digesting state to say, okay, now I'm done with that, on to -hmm. uh, sleeping. So those states and switching between the states is actually a unique unique element in the the area of modeling Um, uh, dynamical systems like a cow. Um, Now, if we want to bring that over to people, then you might say, okay, great. The cow is a kind of a simple system. Um, compared to a person and if we said a person's like this then they would have many many states perhaps because I think we would think the cow is probably somewhat um, a simpleton in the sense of the different kind of scenarios they would run through so if I were to uh, be courageous enough to advance this into human behavior I would want a, a many part um, scenario and switches between them and then we can ask do, do those synchronize so we haven't done that study but I think that's how I would roll this forward if I were
3: to do so. We keep finding that um, the interaction is just as mo- as important as the you know individual dynamics yeah, that so they that follow. That,
5: well, that that's actually, that's a very good point. I want to ex- expand on that. In the study of, you know, in traditional studies where people are reductionists, you often talk about how an individual um, an individual entity behaves. And one of the things that, that, that people try to convey in the study of networks more generally um, is that, you know, the interactions really matter. And this is something, of course, now in the modern world, we see, I would say, much more than we see before. And the study of networks and complex systems really tries, to focus on what effects can emerge from interactions that you don't just see from individual components. And so things like, you know, which memes go viral, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a bunch of cat memes that go viral. It's probably not because of the intrinsic quality, but probably because of interactions.
1: Ah, Now we're in in my area of expertise, which is, of course, um, cat memes.
5: Cat videos?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) I mean, this idea of how things impact on each other is really interesting, and it's really important in markets and finance. And we've seen various attempts over the past decades, I suppose, um, with different degrees of success to model that how exactly this has always fascinated me um before the financial crisis i i looked at things like Gaussian copulas on wall street Mm -hmm. the things that were used to um try to model how you know one corporate or one mortgage default would impact other defaults in the same space how difficult is it to mathematically model things that are impacting on something else
3: uh, this actually is something that Eric and I have uh, started to work on starting a few years ago. Um, we, we think it's a very difficult problem and scientists try to find this so-called uh, causality or causation between different components in a very big system in, in the financial sector it would be like different corporations as you said. Um, so the challenge comes uh, from two means. one is you have to disentangle the effect from their individual motion dynamics from the actual interactions. What you observe is the aggregated effect. So you first have to find a way to disentangle that. And uh, we've been using um, tools from information theory, which seems to be very natural for, for those type of analysis. The real challenge, I think, applying this to any practical situation is that depending on the environment, um, you know, uh, the actual interactions might actually change. And that's something that's very difficult to, to predict. It's like an extreme event. Um, you, you sort of have to believe that um, your process is sort of stationary. Um, the mm-hmm. underlying rules don't change in order to make those predictions. But if they, they do change, then you can see, you know, your model may may fail to predict those situations. But people do look at those so-called early warning signs, and that's an encouraging direction to go, basically by looking at um, the signs that things might start to change. And uh, that that's... That's hope there's hope there.
2: Yeah, just um, I suppose that with that idea to go back and look, I suppose, at the, something we talked about earlier where you said uh, a larger herd will tend to break up, the synchronicity will lose once a herd meets. I don't know if we've got to say the herd reaches a critical size, but in a larger herd, you've less synchronicity. Do we is there a chance that we can see some of that? Like, if we look at say, um, bubble behavior or bubbles in markets mm. where herding becomes particularly intense in an area, like I suppose 2007, it was about Property. There was a large mortgage bubble in bound um, property, particularly in, in some countries in Europe and in the US with the mortgage markets in the US. And that, I suppose, the herd into that became unsustainable and had to break up. And within financial markets, a breakup of a herd like that almost always seems to be catastrophic. Am I, I suppose, am I getting towards the right end of the stick or is it something completely different?
4: Well, for cows, I think there'd be two reasons why they wouldn't want to, um, well, why they wouldn't synchronize in large groups. One is um, the difficulty of keeping them all together, right, and all synchronizing. Um, and the other is the communication from one one end of the herd to the other end of the herd. At, at some larger scale, um, the information may not be going back and forth between the large group such that they can stay together. So you can maybe think more like, like a wave in a stadium. Um, and then the other aspect is uh, what um, there's some benefit. To synchronizing on a certain scale and maybe not in a larger scale. And that second aspect, I would guess, has more to do with the market. Because in, in the market system, I think the communication across large scales, you know, in distance, isn't a problem. We all just check our iPhone.
1: Do you think, given our conversation, that maybe we've enticed you to do some research on markets and hurting behavior in markets specifically?
3: Uh, uh, yeah, I've been always very bit interested in uh, things like bank run because that's essentially um, where you study how the um, different banks with their customers, they, how they interact. And what happens in a financial crisis was there this extra layer of coupling from the media, mm-hmm. right? Because when the media is reporting that we have a problem, then, you know, we think there is a problem. And because we think there is a problem, that there's a, this coupling leads me to, say, withdraw my deposit. And if I do that, my friend sees my doing that, they do the same. And when everyone does that, you, you have a bank run, and bank banks start to you know go go bankruptcy. Um, obviously, the federal government has um, policies now ensure a certain you know amount of deposit being safe. But that 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 in general can happen in different levels, like the property market. If you see all your friends selling their houses, you're more likely to do the same. So this coupling actually is not is not a constant. It might actually change, and I think the media is playing a very big role there to um, influence sort of the behavior of consumers in general. Mm. So, so I'm very interested in this topic. And uh, as I said, the tools Eric and I have been developing called causation entropy, uh, we think we, we actually might want to utilize this to study data collected from those uh, past yeah, years.
1: interesting. Um, We'll have to have you on again once you've completed that project. We have to leave it for today, though. Um, Jay, Eric, and Mason, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about cows, mathematics, herding, and markets. Thank you.
5: Thanks for having having us. us.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Actually, think um, I, I thought that was really, really interesting. And if I do say so myself, I think we managed to uh, connect it quite well to markets and financial behavior. So I'm I'm pretty happy.
2: I, I always knew there was a reason why I was attracted to markets. I think yes, the <laughs> herding. But I, I think it's it's interesting that um, the the research that I suppose is continuing to go into is to understand the behavior of. People and particularly people in markets has been, I suppose, has been going on for hundreds of years and will continue to go on. So the more angles that it's looked at from is interesting. And if cows can prove a basis for investor behaviour, I think that would be an interesting breakthrough.
1: Right, but I mean, this is one of the most intractable problems of finance and markets and mathematics: is trying to calculate this sort of network theory and connectivity and how one thing impacts the other. Um, One thing I did think was interesting, and you brought this up, Lorcan, in the context of bubbles, uh, was this idea that at some point the herd becomes so big that the herding instinct or the herding behavior starts to break down a bit and you see cows, and I suppose you could extrapolate to investors, but you see cows start to kind of group together and do their own thing. Um, I thought that was interesting when we think about bubbles and markets and how they seem to go on and on and on until suddenly they don't. And then they very quickly break down, as you mentioned.
2: Yes. And I think like, it is that, that kind of view. Like, I suppose there will always be in markets, there always will would be contrarians because I suppose in order to buy something, you always need someone to sell it to you. So they always have right. two, view, two, you need two views in a market. But if you get the market moving directionally in one way, like house prices up to 2007, there comes a point where the... I suppose the herd stops wanting stops wanting to buy, or the, the, mm. the, you get an imbalance in the herd. So I think it is interesting, and I think it is again the holy grail. Like we said, it's easy for me to get a piece of technology that will predict when my cow is going to calf. It's very hard to get a piece <laughs> of technology that will predict when the market's going to turn from a bull into a cow, or a bull into a bear, whichever.
1: I can't believe you're getting text messages about when your cows are going to give birth to calves. Um. Modern technology, huh? Uh, so tell me, has this conversation changed your view of your cows?
2: Uh, no, I'm very solid in my view of my cows. And we, we, we go back a long <laughs> way. <laughs> Their view is my job is to feed them and keep them happy. So a happy cow is a productive cow.
1: Aw, that's nice. We are going to leave it there for now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tracy Alloway.
2: And I'm at and RK.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work.